Greetings, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. It's normal to feel stressed or lower than usual around Christmas time, especially if it's a time of year that brings back difficult memories or heightens or worsens any ongoing problems you may be going through. James Raddock, Vice President of Public Affairs for the National Mental Health Association, says the holidays are supposed to be a time full of joy and cheer, parties and family gatherings. But many factors help make the holidays so stressful. Fatigue, unrealistic expectations, commercialisation, financial constraints and the ability to be with one's friends and family. Dreading Christmas and the build-up can really amplify our anxiety and stress levels and it affects all of us, I think, to different degrees. And don't get me started on the whole New Year, New You debacle. Well, I think Christmas can be a bit like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it. Or maybe for others it's just a bit meh. Let's get some expert advice from a leading anxiety expert, Joshua Fletcher, on how to navigate our levels of stress and anxiety around the festive period. So ready to find a healthier, happier, and maybe even jollier you? Let's get started. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, best-selling anxiety author, psychotherapist and social media influencer, Joshua Fletcher. Hi, thanks for having me on. Nine pages of notes, Josh, on Christmas anxiety. When I started to go down the rabbit hole... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Your world is all things anxiety. It's what you write about. It's what you see patients about. It's what you've got a podcast about. And this all stemmed from you suffering greatly at the hands of, and I guess it's become your life's work to to help others. Today, we are zooming in on holiday anxiety. So basically, this is the period from Thanksgiving, which is towards the end of November, to early January, the festive period, basically, Mm -hmm. if you will. Do you go all out? Are you one of those people? For Christmas... um... I, well, personally, uh, yeah. I try each year to engage with it a bit, be- bit more in terms of my uh, enthusiasm and energy for it. Mm. Um, for me, Christmas used to be a quite a tricky time and still is because um, I struggle, suffer from grief and often uh. with big events like this. And when people are grieving, Christmas is often seen you know, as a time where like a milestone to reflect and look back and actually, you know, there's people here that aren't here, which are that I wish Mm. to be here. But at the same time, I've endeavoring to actually engage with it a bit more this year and say, well, let's focus on who is here, Mm. you know, and, um, and yeah, I I enjoyed it last year and uh, I'm doing a bit better each time and it's helped with my, my, my journey with grief. I think, mm. rather than mm. like feeling sorry for myself, but still a bit of that being. It's hard. It's my first Christmas without my stepdad. Um, do you have a vivid Christmas memory, good or bad, that you would like to share? Uh, Christmas funny? memory. I got a lot, lo- loads of brilliant Christmas memories. I think. 
And I think that's what makes it hard because you look back and actually I've, I was very lucky to have excellent Christmas memories with my family. Um, when I was growing up as a child in particular, um, I had two Christmases. Benefits of having parents are divorced. You get two Christmases and they get to fight yeah. over who, who loves you the most. And if you're a you know a clever, young, infant sociopath like me, can play them off one another and get better presents. <laughs> uh but in general no no it's really good uh memories of just being around family and yeah, yeah even even the little arguments and stuff like that i quite liked um yeah i was fortunate enough to have lots of nice christmas memories not everyone does and for mm. some people christmas is a time that just you know it's just another tuesday and that's fair enough you know yeah. but uh i was fortunate to have lots of nice memories uh, from it so yeah probably just being around with family you know playing board games and stuff in my mm. face with chocolate and things like that yeah mm. and it is supposed to be a, a joyous time of year full of celebrations with friends and family but for many people they do struggle and this holiday anxiety and stress it's well documented that this period holiday period increases in mental health presentations such as stress anxiety and depression so why do you think so many people struggle during this time of year? I know you, grief is one of them that you've mentioned, but, but what else do you think? Um, well, like you mentioned before, it's a holiday. And lots of people, when they go on holiday, it's they're out of their usual routine. And it, for, it kind of pressures them into reflecting, looking back, analysing the year, um, mm. often negatively comparing themselves to where they want to mm. be, to their ideal self. Um, there's other things like grief there as well. Uh, maybe it's spending time with family that you just don't like. That's okay. No families are perfect and some people are just yeah. not nice. Then you've got very real pressing issues, financial worries. Uh, lots of people feel guilty uh, for not having the financial stability to provide gifts and things or host mm -hmm. a, even host a Christmas dinner, you know, because you know, that's expensive, time consuming and but even like warming your house over here is a uh, is expensive. Oh yeah. Um, there's lots of pressures around it. Yeah. It it depends on your relationship. Whether some people dread it, a lot of people dread it mm -hmm. because it, you know maybe they've got social anxiety. Maybe they don't like being in intense rooms. Maybe they uh, just don't like kind of yeah having that that comparison that it can be quite stressful as well if you've got people with you know family members with strong views strong opinions political ideologies religious ideologies that, that differ from yours there's so many variables that can yeah. make christmas a nightmare yeah <laughs> yeah like, like, like a lot of my family now like it's just like oh god you know like but, I just, but overall you know it's it's one of those it's um yeah it's okay it's very normal if, you, if, if you're dreading it honestly it's yeah. just, don't have to have an anxiety disorder to to, to dread Christmas. Right. Holiday dread is, is a real thing. And there's something about Christmas, I think, as well, that just amplifies and magnifies everything. So if you love Christmas, if you are one of those, then it can be the most wonderful time of the year. But if you don't like Christmas or you do have anxiety, then, yeah, like you said, it can just be hell, really. Christmas hell. Yeah. I've often found that it's um, it's when people put pressure on themselves. Um, mm. If you if you're someone who you know struggles with an internal critic and you constantly compare yourself to others or an ideal version of of yourself, mm. uh, you'll find Christmas is often conflicts with perfectionist tendencies. 
So you're trying to be perfect at Christmas time. Just don't. You're not your own. You, yeah. you don't need to do that. You know, pour yourself half a whiskey, watch Muppets Christmas Carol, and get on with it. You know, you don't need. <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be. You know, right. like the perfect dad from Christmas Channel Twenty Four. You don't need to do that. You're okay. Just, right. You don't right. like it. Just get through it. If you don't. Oh, and also, yeah. not forgetting, like you know. It's the time of the year if it's Christmas or if you if you celebrate Hanukkah or if you celebrate or you know or just it's the holiday and it's a usually a holiday where lots of people get together because of the nature of the holiday system, particularly mm -hmm. uh, in the Western world. And yeah, just you know, you don't you're not weird or strange or you don't have to beat yourself up if you don't like it. No, it's absolutely mm -hmm. fine. Mm. You've touched on quite a lot of points that I want to revisit a bit later on, but I found uh, a quite some quite interesting stats that I want to share with you. This one in particular, actually, a recent study conducted by Deichmann found that half of UK adults claim Christmas is the most stressful and anxiety-inducing time of year. So much so that 16% said they would rather do their tax return than attend a family Christmas. And 26% said it's more draining than a job interview. That's how much people hate it. Yeah, and particularly, you got a, it's a long list of obligations as well, isn't it? Like you got, yeah. You know, and, and depending on the dynamic of your family, the structures of your family, could be quite mm. complex, you know. We'll mm. go and see Auntie Jane on, on on Friday, and then we'll go to your parents on Saturday, and then we'll go and do this and go and do that. It's it can be quite socially and physically exhausting. And you've got that build up before it becomes exhausting before you actually start because it becomes overwhelming just being given the schedule. Because I think a lot of people like because I go home for Christmas, so I just get told what I'm doing. There's not really any conversation about do you want to. It's like we're doing this on this day, this and this day, going to this person this day. It can be a bit much. Who's, who's saying that, Gabby? She'd be like, why, why wasn't consulted on this? You know, My mum. Uh, yeah, yeah, listen, <laughs> mum, that's what you're yeah. doing. You know, and I'll join you <laughs> if I feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's one of those. It's like yeah, you gotta you gotta have your boundaries. Be careful with your boundaries, and you're allowed to say no and stuff like. I love my family to bits, but they can be quite intense. And once I've seen a few of them, I need a day to myself to recharge. Um, mm. Otherwise, I will murder them. No, I won't. But like, it's just it's <laughs> it's really important to have that. Otherwise, I'm not going to be my best self. I'm going to start resenting it. And I found mm. that with boundaries, saying no, mm. tying boundaries, I will see you there, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm just going to have some, some some time, go for a nice walk. I like to go for a nice walk on my own and just clear my head. You can recharge that battery a bit, and suddenly it doesn't all seem tiresome. It doesn't all seem like a, a grueling, arduous. Yeah. No, yeah. it's just having those little mini boundaries in there actually makes Christmas time a lot less stressful. But if you're going mm. into Christmas with a lot of stress, with stress of in your personal life, put stress with um, family stress with you know career and then you go into that with no boundaries and no recharge time that's mm. then you then you're the kind of person that was susceptible to anxiety attacks and panic attacks and anger outbursts mm. and, and and many mm. things do you know I was when I was looking at, uh, at the different areas people struggle in and a lot of them not surprising and you've mentioned some already the pressure of being happy and joyous all the time fear of judgment overspending 
I thought this was interesting, but it makes sense. Fear of weight gain. Because I, I come from a family of feeders. I don't know about you, Josh. So there's that, oh, go on, another, have another one, have another one. It's like your Christmas dinner is... We actually tend to have like two or three Christmas dinners in one day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. And, you know, I don't, you know, fear of weight gain. Why would you, as an anxiety therapist, I, I would be like, why do you fear weight gain? You know, okay, mm. uh, if I was up to me and I was to choose weight gain, I'd be like, no, you know. Uh, but if you fear weight gain, then you have an unhealthy relationship with, with food. Mm, um, and the people, yeah, if you fear weight gain. There's a difference between disliking weight gain and fearing weight gain. Right. Uh, why would you fear it? You know what? What are the, what are the consequences of putting on a kilogram over over Christmas because you've been having a nice time? You know, I don't. Well, to, to play devil's advocate, if maybe you've been doing well on the lead up to the Christmas period and you're feeling quite good about yourself, and part of that is you've maybe been taking care of your diet and exercise and then suddenly you've got all this indulgence alcohol food eating more food because you're hungover as well and and then the, all the extra mm. treats that you get around christmas then it's that kind of fear of oh i'm not going to feel so comfortable in my body because i'm not going to be able to you know to yeah, resist but, uh, but i would and as someone who works with eating disorders and a lot like a lot of those things like it's your relationship with food is healthy when it's balanced if you se mm. separate your relationship with food into good and bad which mm. is part of diet culture and it's not very helpful uh, and as someone I've, I've lost recently lost two stone through actually just kind of eating what i want but just in, in measure uh whereas i spent many years with this narrative and rhetoric of you know, you have to eat this. You can't eat that. I'm. I've been good. If I spend all two weeks getting exercise, getting in shape, eating the right things, and then I come to Christmas and hate myself for eating stuff, that's not a healthy relationship. I used to do that quite a lot, mm -hmm. and so did my mum. And thankfully, we both went through it together. And what I'd say is, is it? It's just worth it. Go. You know, if you want to go and indulge and do these things. Uh, at these times then go and do it you know it's not the end of the world if you mm. want if you want to lose that weight again it doesn't take long you know mm. um for me and this isn't a, a psychotherapy opinion it's just mine as a person but like when i'm dying on my deathbed will i be like oh i'm glad i ate celery for the last 10 years of my life at christmas <laughs> no i'd be like i'd be like uh -huh. why didn't i smash those mince pies why didn't I smash that bottle a bit? Because that's well, it's just more fun. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's just my opinion. That's personal. Fair. Opinion. Yeah, fair. Well, I was going to kind of naturally lead us into January as we go, but like it is linked with the whole, you know, what happens in January is we have the, the overindulgence over the Christmas period. And then come January, it's about the new year, new me. And then it's like all the diet plans and all the gym memberships are thrown at you through social media and whatever. I feel like for a lot of people, there's this sort of mentality of indulge December, restrict January. So that's why there's like dry January as well. And, you know, like yeah, I said, people are like, the gym subscriptions tend to be at the the highest rate is in January. So I completely yeah. agree about balance. I think it's a mindset switch, but in terms of bringing it back to holiday anxiety, 
maybe that is actually something that yeah, would be I mean, useful. Just don't fall for it. You know, don't be a sheep. And this is what I would say to clients. Any time of year you want to do, go through a change that you feel that would make you feel better or there's something in your life you want to improve, you know, I'd, I'd endorse that any time of year. Um, would I do it in January and February? No. January and February are the hardest months of the year, um, mm. depression-wise, anxiety-wise. Why would you then mm. restrict then? You know, some people it works. Some people it doesn't. I've, you know, I've, I've done it, and you know, I'd love to see the stats on people who maintain doing these gym. Well, I, I had, yeah, quite. I had a friend who worked in a gym, in the sales team, and he was like, "Oh, January's coming. Oh, yes, commission central." <laughs> It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. But what what is that change? If you're going drastic, I'm going to go gym five times a week. I'm going to go on the on the FODMAP diet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to intermittent fast. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do all that. It's just not going to happen. You know, you're if you choose, yourself up, aren't you? For failure. Yeah, yeah. And you'll rebel against yourself as soon as you fail. Whereas if you just choose one thing. You know, like mine a few years ago was stopping smoking. You know, I was like, right. But instead of going and stopping smoking, I was like, I'm going to stop smoking 20 cigarettes a day. So I was like, I'm going to try and smoke three a day. I don't smoke anymore. Mm. I haven't smoked for years. But like, mm. it, it's that kind of being reasonable and compassionate with yourself. Because that's the mm. one this time of year, lots of people are anxious because they're not compassionate with themselves. They are so harsh mm. on themselves. Mm. And it doesn't work. You can't criticize and discipline yourself out of escaping a feeling that you don't want because if you look at it at a deeper level you're actually doing it to feel better you know mm. and it's just but like you're in a better mindset come january okay you've put on a bit of weight because or whatever if you hate yourself for that that's the problem you know rather than being a pragmatist and compassionate and being like right okay i've smashed the pies and the wine um maybe let's not do that now but I'll uh, go for a brisk walk in the morning, you know, and mm. I'll do an activity or whatever if I want to. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. You don't have to. It's if you want to, you know. And yeah. talking to yourself like you talk to a friend is is really important. But you never, you know, if I could, if you could hear people's minds in January, is so critical. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should yeah. be doing that. And that's anxiety. Mm. and do you think that bleeds through from christmas because again this is something that you touched upon already the pr the pressure of it being perfect because it, you know the christmas period is getting less and less away from celebrating the birth of jesus christ to a money-making thing for companies and brands and and so we're being constantly bombarded with these images of the perfect christmas holidays are coming and so there was a word that I highlighted, toxic perfectionism. I hadn't come across that term before, toxic perfectionism, but I'd imagine the Christmas period is a fantastic breeding ground for it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, it really is. I would, I'd even remove the word toxic, just perfectionism is bad. There's no such mm. thing as a good perfectionism. It, it's Perfectionism is just when people value themselves on output not intentions mm. and the paradox of it is is that what is perfect it's usually something that you is out of just out of achievable reach it's also a safety behavior people who are perfectionists uh, actually fear criticism and they fear being rejected so whether that's been conditioned growing up through really bossy 
parents or school or being in an abusive relationship, you know, people turn to perfectionism because it's a protective barrier towards being hurt or being on the end of mm. criticism. And I see it as an anxious safety behavior. My advice to that is just if you're if that applies to you, just be like, learn to laugh at your imperfect Christmas. And then that in itself becomes perfect Christmas. We always do. You know, there's always a you know, fallout at Christmas or you know, drink too much or or whatever, you know, so there's no yeah. such thing as a perfect Christmas. And if you want to be the family from the Kodak Abbott or the MS <laughs> Abbott or whatever, then yeah. come on, man. The that, Hallmark that, that... movie. Oh god, yeah, the Christmas twenty four movies. Oh, you know, so yeah. She moved to the city but came back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and her hot childhood sweetheart is waiting with chiseled abs, <laughs> just waiting for his love. Oh god. Yes. Stable boy. <laughs> the stable boy. Oh god, yeah. Because of course yeah. they live on a ranch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually pulled some common examples of when anxiety can really be triggered or amplified. Um, and I'd love to know if you've got, because I'm sure you will have any golden nuggets on how we can kind of self-soothe or just kind of bring ourselves down when we're being confronted by these particular scenarios. Okay, going into a packed out pub or restaurant. Okay, Um before I answer these scenarios, it's really important to frame what kind of anxiety you're struggling with. Okay. So I separate anxiety into two. You could have conventional anxiety. Okay. Conventional anxiety is things like worrying about, you know, what I look like, jobs, perfectionism, things like that. The kind of anxiety that everyone worries about, you know, worried about money, finances, first dates, things like that. Um, mm. And judgment. And that's called conventional. I just anxiety. call it. It's like a, it's a, it's an anxiety that no one's going to be shocked at if you told them. You know, it's like, oh, right. I'm, I'm afraid what people think of me. Well, you know, everyone can relate to that. So you've got the first one, and the second one is inwards disordered anxiety, and this is where people who struggle with panic attacks, agoraphobia, mm. health anxiety, obsessive compulsive mm. disorder, which is you know a lot of people. You're talking one in three, one in four people now. Um, mm. social anxiety, these kind of anxieties. So I'll answer it from both perspectives. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. like, maybe if you if one applies more to one than the other as well, I'll let you kind of take the thread and run with it. You know, walking into that very, you know, when it's, like, packed out and there's a lot of noise and you kind of, the senses are hit when you just sort of walk in, mm. yeah, maybe looking for your friend or loved one and it's just noise in that re like restaurant or pub yeah so that might if you're quite sensitive to to that thing what will happen is your threat response might go off so you feel suddenly anxious what will happen is your peripheral vision will either open up or or close down and you might feel a bit lightheaded your heart might race and you might be looking for the nearest exit or an excuse to leave that feeling of threat and discomfort is actually temporary so regardless of what type of anxiety you have in this situation, if you feel like you want to run or get away, that's literally the fight or flight response. It's the flight part of it, you know, and mm -hmm. that's temporary, actually. So if you're and this is what I say to people, like if you do what non-anxious you would do, it will turn off. Now, I don't even self-soothe. I don't do techniques. I don't do anything. The magic rule in my therapy practice is do what non-anxious you would do for many reasons, mostly because it teaches the brain that actually anxiety is not quite needed here. Yeah, there's loads of potential threats around because there's lots of people, but actually 
no one here is out to get me. So I'm going to show you, brain, that nothing's out to get me. And that discomfort will usually last about 10, maybe 20 minutes. And you're not going to feel that hungry. And your throat might feel a bit dry. And you might feel a bit detached and dissociated and irritable. But just stick through it, you know. Stick mm -hmm. through it and you can, and it will pass. And then put, give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, I used to hate going into busy places and stuff. Now I like going to music gigs and things and standing in the middle because it's fun. <laughs> Oh, wow. And they can be packed. So um, would you uh, sort of apply that to shopping centres as well? You know, like when you have to panic buy because you've forgotten someone or you're like me where you leave it to the last minute because you can't even face <laughs> being organised and buying before. I do it every year and I go, why am I doing this to myself? Why? I miss the Amazon cutoff. I'm literally that last minute and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I have done this in the past, going into busy shopping centres. And my personal opinion is it, it's just not nice. And I just do it whilst anxious. You know, like, mm. I, I, it isn't nice. There's people everywhere. It's rammed. You know, there's, it's overwhelming. But just do it. You're all right. You're okay. I know it's not, not groundbreaking advice, but just do it, you <laughs> yeah. know, because you will become more acclimatized and you will habituate to the situation the more you're there. But I never like going into a busy shopping center. I don't. I mean, who does? Yeah. I don't know. If yeah. there's anyone listening yeah. now, fair play to you if you like it, because I really don't. But my advice is to say, you know, anxiety can't hurt you. You know, it's not going to make you c collapse or lose control unless you have kind of any, any comorbid conditions. It's just discomfort, and it will pass the more you do the opposite of what it wants you to do. Mm. And then final one that I'm going to lump all in the same kind of category, pack trains, backed up motorways, delayed flights, travel anxiety, basically. Do we just, again, have to, like, suck it up and get on with it? Well, I never said suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was my pull, interpretation. Pull, pull your sleeves up and get on with it. No, no, compassionately <laughs> go through Sorry. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. With right, compassion. compassion. No, no, just get on with it. No, no, like, compassion. I, I know I'm going to be scared. It's hard to be compassionate, Josh, when you're like elbowing to try and get on a train because it's like, oh, please oh, no, don't make me wake another hour. By all means, elbow everyone else, but be compassionate to yourself. And that's really important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, transport anxiety. It's really interesting. When I'm, on my podcast, my most listened to podcast is driving anxiety. I was like, what? Of all the, the wonderful really? information here, driving anxiety is, is the most. <laughs> this is where I will draw upon the two types of anxiety. Some people just don't like it because they feel overwhelmed. You know, they feel irritable. There's a lot of feel claustrophobic here. A lot mm. of people don't like it because they're quite agoraphobic. Mm. And agoraphobic is when I don't like being too far away from my safe space. So you know you're agoraphobic if you, in extreme cases, don't leave the house. But agoraphobia can present as I only go to work and house. I only drive on certain roads. I don't get on trains because I can't get off. Uh, I, I don't get on buses because I'm not in control and I can't get off. If you're that, then, you know, challenge that with exposure therapy. And it's always good to do that with a good CBT therapist. Um, mm. I was so agoraphobic once upon a time, I couldn't even leave my bedroom. Um, and it's it was a very scary, horrible time. But it's highly treatable and you can get to a good place with it. So, yeah, if you're that, you know, I would like treat it as an exposure. Like, I'm going to expose myself. To not 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 rudely, don't be exposing your body parts, to people. But like expose <laughs> myself to the anxiety, and be like, all right, okay, 
I'm actually exposing myself to the anxiety. And that takes a, you know, when I realize that my anxiety is separate from me, it's just a part of my brain that goes off because it thinks I'm under threat. And 99% yeah. of the time is wrong. I'm like, all right, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I'll do it anyway. I'll go and do it mm. anyway. And yeah, that the brain can rewire itself pretty quickly. The more you're willing to be anxious doing things. Um, and mm. I had to do that on trains, you know, cars. Um, I've not done it on a plane yet, but I will get on a plane soon and do that. In January, I should have booked something to do that. So, yeah. Um, but but in general, yeah. Uh, and then on the other side is just, if it's you're just overwhelmed, it's okay. You can use your techniques if you're struggle with that conventional kind of anxiety, stress-induced anxiety. So, you know, you can do some deep breathing. You know, mm. you can do you can self-soothe if you'd like to. You know, it's these are all helpful things they're not mandatory but if it if it helps you because you're stressed then yeah go for it maybe as well like planning ahead a little bit or not even planning ahead but thinking ahead to when are the for example we know christmas eve is going to be a really busy travel day right versus if you're driving on christmas day maybe the roads are going to be quieter so you could maybe give yourself a little bit of a break in that way as well yeah planning and stuff like that that's fine yeah particularly if you you know if, if you can if it's avoidable stress you know you can if you're avoiding things because you're afraid to experience anxiety then no don't go for it <laughs> my oh, clients okay oh no Fair. you don't don't avoid anxiety no 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 you avoid stress don't avoid anxiety no 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 no. we don't do that okay so this anticipation for family gatherings that we can't get out of in our heads are we building it up too much do you think depends on your family like it's, it's yeah interesting isn't it like i had an ex-girlfriend like years ago who you know went to a family she's you know she's got a racist uncle I'm like this is just intolerable and i said it is intolerable you know and i just don't want to sit and listen to that and it was really horrible you know and it's it's not it's not me building up in my head um, mm. But at the same time, you know, you could be sensitized to stuff, you know, families, you know, particularly if you don't get on with your family, you can be very sensitive to each other's reactions. Yeah. Um, if you're a people pleaser and you like to placate people, then the likelihood is you may have come from your family and, you know, you're very sensitive to the reactions and the comments and opinions of of, of, of mommy and daddy or whoever you grew up with family's a weird one isn't it because you all go off in separate ways separate opinions but it's unconditional so people feel safer in a family unit to say more controversial things because you can't change family and that mm. can often lead to conflict and it's really quite annoying for me though you don't have to i say this and i say this to my clients in here you know if you, if you really hate it if you really just hate your family and you really <laughs> they don't provide anything for you or if they're cruel or not nice and just don't go. You know, I wouldn't. Family members I don't see because they're just not nice. They don't really do anything for me. They're just not nice. And I just don't want to, you know, time's precious, <laughs> you know. Whereas to some people, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll fly around the world for to see, you know, if they needed me. So, you know, you get to choose that. Uh, I don't believe the blood is thicker than water nonsense. I think it's I think it's crap. You know, you just... Really? That's nonsense, you know. Why, why, why would I why would i spend give more all my emotional resources to someone who's selfish who never gives you anything back when i could give that to a friend 
who's always there for mm. you at the end of it. Why, why, would, why would you waste your time? So, yeah, anyway, that's my opinion. See, yeah, sometimes it's not as easy as that, though, because maybe it's like the spouse of a sibling or, you know, what if it's like you don't want to let down everybody else, but there might just be one or two people that really trigger you. Maybe they're aggressive drunks or mm. judgmental people or, you know, they just like to moan and, it's, and, and they, they make a beeline for you. You don't want to let down, say, the sibling, the parent, the grandparent, but you, you just, you're never going to have fun, you know. True, and and if you're doing it for someone else out of love, that's great, you know, and that's great. But but at the same time, if someone's making a beeline for you, that's not you letting them down. That's their family member letting them down, you know. Um, mm. And you don't have mm. to endure silliness don't get me wrong you know like people have disagreements stuff like that but if someone's being irrational and out of order you don't have to tolerate that uh i wouldn't mm. and my partner wouldn't and you know just you, you don't need to do that obviously you get the right measure if you're in a relationship or you know there's always compromise and you know we always yeah. en enjoy situations that we don't want to and that's okay and that's because you do it out of love but if mm. someone's taking it too far and triggering you and being not nice, then I'd just be like, no, I'm not going. And let everyone have a moan. Because guess what? They're going to moan anyway. <laughs> it <doesn't laughs> Fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what about if this is for the group that I'd imagine this is who you would you treat? So this is people with... Um... Just sorters. Mm. Yes, what about fear of like ruining the day, not being happy enough, not being, you know, Christmassy enough, letting other people down and, and not wanting to bring bring other people down? What do we do there? If you someone who struggles with panic attacks and really high anxiety, then you know your appetite isn't gonna be great. It's not your fault. If you're being perfectionist with an anxiety disorder, you're just gonna shoot yourself in the foot. You know, you're not going to be great. No one's 100% on Christmas Day. You know, don't magnify on your imperfections and judge yourself on your intentions. I'm doing this despite mm. a crippling anxiety disorder. I'm doing this despite a really horrible eating disorder. I'm doing this with PTSD. I'm doing this, and I might have an anxiety attack, but I'm choosing to do it anyway, you mm. know? Now, if you're mm. with a understanding family, or at least a family that try to understand, try is the important word here. They're not going to fully get it, but if mm. they, you know, if they do it to, if they try to get it and try to empathize, and that's fine. But if you're around a family who don't want to empathize, you know, if they they have zero empathy, zero compassion, they criticize you for being anxious and panicky on Christmas Day. I just walk out. What's what? Why would you? You know, you're not spoiling anything, actually. Their lack of compassion is spoiling the day because Christmas is a time of love and compassion and you come together. And mm. if they can't even take four seconds out to kind of try to understand your emotional struggles, um, then, you know, that's not you spoiling it, I'm afraid. You know, don't get me wrong. It's, mm. Ideally, wouldn't it be great? Woke up Christmas morning like Scrooge. But like, well, hey, what, you boy, what what day is it? And you go around and, you know, you dance around Christmas turkey, singing old land sign, whatever. That's great. It could happen and that's great. But yeah. it might not either and it's not your fault. You know, just yeah. try. Judge yourself on intentions. What about when it taps into your self-esteem? So how you look, how you feel, how you conduct yourself. 
and then thinking the next day, did I behave okay? Did I say the right thing? Oh, did I offend that person? That's you're talking about social anxiety and the people who are, who sit and ruminate. And if this is you listening, you know, if you ruminate about offending people, or if you hyperanalyze what the conversations you've had, or you preempt conversations you've had uh, that you're gonna have, and you rehearse conversations and you do stuff like that, that's usually because that's a safety mechanism. It's usually because you've there's someone that's in or been in your life nine times out of ten not all the time nine times out of ten so who's usually hypercritical and their opinion mm-hmm. means a lot to you particularly as a kid where your brain's more impressionable and the, the imprint can last that placation that people please and becomes a safety behavior and actually when you're going over conversations oh did i do that, do that that's actually an anxious compulsion which doesn't help mm things mm. um in my practice when we do that i purposely you know go and be controversial you know walk in and say something controversial not offensive but controversial uh, and doing the opposite we do things called a shame attacks from from a rebt therapy and stuff like that to, to challenge this but you've got to understand actually no this is a, my threat response going off here because i i want to please people i mean there's a theory right. where our ancestors had when they, you know you're going around in tribes uh in the wilderness and if you're banished from the tribe you know you're not going to survive and so Mm. we've got to make sure everyone's happy with us so we don't get banished from the tribe you know that's a theory but in general from my experience when people do that it's usually because they've been around very judgmental powerful opinionated authority figures Um, when you learn that actually their opinion has the same weight as yours and just because you've grown up and they've been that figure doesn't mean they're right and doesn't mean they can sound as convincing as they as they want but it becomes your mm-hmm. problem when you their judgment and their opinion of you is the be all and end all um just mm-hmm. you, you've got to see them as your equal and that's your self-esteem mm-hmm. that's your self-esteem right there <laughs> yeah. yeah so do you think sometimes we're triggered and it's like we need to think is this anxiety from now or from the past like maybe it's something that if they're a caregiver, is what they're saying actually that bad or is it more of a trigger to something they've said in the past that's really affected me? That's a great responsive thought to have, actually, yeah. I'd have to say that, like, just quickly, be like, is this something happening now or is this something I'm holding onto from the past? Because the threat response mm. will do both. So that's really good. It'd be like, mm. uh, and I'd invite you to do that if, if anyone's doing that. If you're at the dinner table and someone's saying, you, you feel triggered or you feel your, your threat response engaging, but mm. that's really that's called that's called metacognitive awareness so you're like hold on is this me or is this something cropping up is uh, this in a child yeah well you hear all the time I work people all the time people who are terrified of bosses that haven't done anything wrong just because they remind yeah. them of say their dad you know or their mum you know and mum and dad was a you know gobby and opinionated growing up because their mum and dad were gobby and opinionated and so on and so forth and it gets passed on and then you're like you start to see it in the other elements of your life yeah no i just feel like yeah, that's, that's a really good question is, is this i mean really good solution first thing is to go hmm is this actually happening now am i being affronted now is this offensive now or is it just something that perhaps triggering from the past mm. I, I love metacognitive awareness it's not a good conversation on a first date but you know when it yeah metacognitive <laughs> awareness is great 
Yeah. Save it for the second. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of romance, lots of people get engaged over Christmas and then you've got social media and it's like people are all loved up or it's like, look at the sparkly hand. Oh, um, and if we are triggered by that stuff, I know, should we just avoid? What shall we do there? If you're triggered by someone getting married on Christmas, come on, have a word with yourself. It's oh, all God. that kind of. Well it, well, it depends what you you know what you find interesting and stuff. Personally, I find that quite cliche. <laughs> yeah. This is me being miserable. Sorry, it's a screwed. Like, I'm happy for people to do that. Be happy for people that are doing that. You know, if they want to share yeah. that with you, it's great. You know, it's no yeah. impact on you. If you're seeing other people's achievements and you turning it into a baton to beat yourself with, that's your problem. Then you've got to mm. challenge that. You know what's wrong with two people getting married? If the if your first thought is these two people are getting married, well, I've not got a partner. Well, I haven't got a kid. Well, I haven't got a promotion. That's very self-centered, isn't it? It's like you're using someone's emotional joy to beat yourself up with. Yes, kind of. But I am. Um, there was a psychiatrist that said recently, an Italian one, because I'm in Italy at the moment, and I thought this comment was quite interesting. He said. Christmas is about celebrating the lack. So people reflect on what they don't have in their lives and it makes them crazy. So that this is where I think I'm getting at with the like, um, you know, this kind of air quote magical time of year where there's the engagement announcements. I'm using that as just like one example, but like, you know, the floodgates are open on social media, aren't they? For like, look how dazzling my Christmas time is, which can make people feel like crap. And as a therapist, I'd be like, well, why does that make you feel like crap? What, what, mm. what is it about two people separate from you who are getting married? What, why does that make you feel like crap? You know, yeah. for me, if I'm being honest, I'd have two responses. I'd have, well, well done. My friends are getting married and, mm. and I'm really happy for them. It's great. If that's what they want. You know, that's a nice diamond ring. You know, I'd rather spend it on holiday, but fair enough. Uh, and my second response would be, how ridiculously cliche and nauseating, and that's <laughs> and that's what it would be. You know, uh, um, it yeah. would be a mixed. I'd be mostly happy, but I'd have a critical yeah. voice in my head saying, "Well, whatever," you know. But, but some people who may be a bit vulnerable if they're single, or if they're in a relationship where the partner's, you know, not putting a ring on it, and that's something they want. Like there's other, those kind of factors where it might it might just trigger you, you know. Well, if that's triggering you, like, this is where I'd look at it. There's something called, um, in humanistic therapy, there's something called conditions of worth, a, a term kind of, uh, made by Carl Rogers. And as we grow up, we introject beliefs, what we feel is important. You know, even before we're born, look at baby showers, mm. blue for boy, pink for girl. You're conditioned before you're even born. Uh, and you're told, you know, women are conditioned from the age of one or two, they're given dollies, prams, all these things, you know, whereas boys are given all these kind of vocational toys like tractors and um, tools and cars and things like that. And there's, there's all these conditions. Uh, and then you've got other powerful emotional interjections that are your conditions, like boys don't cry, you know. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Don't cry, be strong which is the dumbest mm. thing I've ever heard. But, you know, that, that's something that loads of people still use. Um, yeah. Things like, you know, you've got to look good for your holiday. You learn that. Who the hell said yeah. that that's a thing? 
That's a, such a big one. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like you, you know, who cares? You know those kind of things. Our esteem is an amalgamation of all these interjections, and they lead to something called conditions of worth. So if you grow up, you've been conditioned to think that being married and having a kid is part of self-esteem, but it isn't. You know, I've spoken mm -hmm. to, in fact, some of the happiest people I know in my personal life are women in their 50s who are unmarried, who don't have children. And it's fascinating because they've let go of that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you want children because you want children, how you know, have children, regardless mm -hmm. of your gender, if you want to go and do that, you know, and, and that's fine. Um, but for me, are you doing it for you or are you doing it because you're trying to fill a, a void to make mm -hmm. you feel like you're something? And that's the difference. Um, and fit into societal expectations. Absolutely. But then that's when yeah. you get, if you look at when, when people have children to, as a tick box, then often, you know, sometimes, sometimes, but sometimes, you, you know, if you have the children for the wrong reasons, then it's those children that will look up and see that. You know, and they will they will then interject those lessons from their parents. I certainly did as well. Don't get me wrong; I love my mum and dad, and they're wonderful people. You you always interject from your from your parents' ideals. Mm. You know, I was like, go play football, drive cars, do all that stuff. And some of them I enjoy, I like playing football stuff like that, but not really into the vocational stuff. You know, I'm a therapist; I sit on my ass all day and listen to people. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. But in general, yeah, like question those conditions of worth because there there is no rule book i'd question where did you even learn that from you know if you've got the cliche pushy parents like you must get a stars and everything well it's not it's not even a stars anymore sure my age is it? it's like you must get nines in everything well why you know i was lucky my mom was like as long as you try your best I don't care you know, and she'll look and be like, right, I actually saw you try your best. And even though you only got a B in English, you tried mm. your best. I love that. That really helped me. It only yeah. got a B. A B's good. Oh, no, you should see the stuff I, the stuff I hear. You only got, why, why didn't you get an A star? You're messing about, right? You're not going out. You must do this. It's like let's ch parents living vicariously through their children to accommodate and compensate for their own failures. <laughs> but, yeah. mm, wow wow i've got to talk about booze real quick i feel because like if you're not a big boozer food is one thing but then when your drink is sort of pushed on you'll go on one won't kill you you're boring maybe this is a bit more triggering for me because i'm not a big drink well not anymore anyway but reform a party girl but um I was on holiday recently with my mum and she wanted someone to drink with her. And I said, I don't really don't feel like drinking tonight. And she actually rolled her eyes. <laughs> and I'm a fully grown person that can make my own decisions. But it really, it was like, ouch, you know, because I'm boring. So in terms of anxiety around alcohol, and if you're a former alcoholic, if you're in the programme, this must be a really anxious time as well because you're surrounded by it, aren't you, and parties. And so I feel like alcohol and anxiety around Christmas is um, a tricky one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that that small anecdote is, is quite, it's quite a cultural staple, isn't it? Um, yeah. Remember, alcohol consumption does not equate to fun. People who will pressure you into drinking is to do it to appease their own feelings of guilt because you know 
I like beer. I like wine, but never pressure anyone to doing it because I'm literally ingesting poison. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Alcohol is a poison, delicious poison, but it's a poison. So if you don't want to do it, and if you've got an unhealthy relationship with it, you know, or you just choose not to, it's not your problem if people can't respect your boundaries. It's theirs. Um, right. And, and, and credit to you. And it is their problem. I know plenty of people that will support that decision. They'd be like, you know, well done. Well done for not drinking. I used yeah. to have, a, I had to readdress my relationship with alcohol several years ago. Um, I was an alcoholic, but I was, you know, you had a very unhealthy relationship with it. I'm in a lot better place now. But yeah, just respecting people's choices and it's not, it's not being judgmental because they're not doing what you want to do, you know. Mm. And also for me as well, and using myself, going into family gatherings where there are a couple of people that do not have the best relationship with alcohol and it doesn't bring out, the, shall we say, the best in them. So for me, especially around Christmas time, I can feel very anxious going to a family buffet or party or whatever because there might be one or two people where I'm like, oh, God, they're drinking. Oh, God, they're drinking. So I'm kind of on edge waiting for them to maybe get a bit nasty or angry or weepy or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if that happens all the time for these certain people, then it's absolutely fine to just, you know, stay away from them, leave early. Make sure you say hello to them before they start drinking, if you want to. You know, mm -hmm. um, if if you know that it's, you know, it, it, what I'd ask is, is this a fear that I have that's that's irrational? What's the likelihood of this person doing this? Is it because they did it once 10 years ago and I don't want it to happen again and it's something that I'm still holding on to? Or are they just renowned for being a bit of a knob when they drink? Yeah, it's the latter in my case. Yeah. Other, and in that case, just, just stay away from them and leave. I, w I wouldn't do it, yeah. um, and I wouldn't expect people to do it. You don't have to sit around and endure someone being ab abhorrent. And you shouldn't have to, and that's not Christmas, is it? You know, And, and it's yeah. their, again, it's their responsibility. If they cannot be responsible for their alcohol consumption, their behaviour, why should you have to sit and endure it? Mm. I might have to send this pod to the family members. <laughs> Um, and so as we're getting into like New Year's Eve and then January, December is so fast and then January just feels very slow. And again, I feel like this can make us feel quite anxious. And also we've got the guilt and the shame and the worry over the lack of finances, say, for how much we're spending. So how do we be kind to ourselves over January when the weather's miserable, we're skin and... It's just a notorious month of the year, isn't it, for just not feeling our best? Yeah, and just um, go easy on yourself. It is a miserable month. I don't really like January. But go easy on yourself. Don't try to go a thousand miles an hour into some radical metamorphosis. Um, and do things you enjoy. Like January and February are miserable months. They're really miserable. Mm. We said it before. They're miserable months. So the best antidote to that is to do things that you enjoy. You know, for me, I like sitting in watching movies doing these things it's like hibernating basically these are hibernating months for me mm. you know, go to work do those things yeah i think maybe that's why going back to what we were saying about the restriction thing and that's when people stop drinking and restrict their food intake to lose the pounds and then it's already like you said a miserable month and then that's why i think we can make ourselves more miserable 
Yeah, it's like a self-punishment for having a nice yeah. December. But again, who, where do you learn that from? Who says you've got to punish yourself in January? You know, maybe marketers do. You know, maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know uh, all those things. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I love January. I love going out to restaurants in January because everything's cheap. You, know, you get like two for one deals and all that stuff. I love doing it in a nice, quiet restaurant. You know, mm. and, and yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm still being reasonable. You know, it's, it's okay. Whereas people take things to extremes, you know, stop taking things yeah. to extremes, one or the other, because I'm more likely to get to a place where I want to go because I have two things in moderation and with compassion than someone mm. who, you know, feels awful, beats themselves up for a bit of friendly gluttony uh, December and then full on self restriction in January and, and, and all that stuff. I'm like, for me, that's not really what, I do. what, whatever suits you, you know, but I'd always ask who are you doing this for? Is this a friendly thing to be doing for me right now? I love that question. Is this a friendly thing to be doing for me right now? Actually, mm. no, I'm just baiting myself in the gym, baiting myself when I'm out. I'm, I'm restricting my food intake. I'm just studying the mirror, criticizing myself. I'm on the scales five times a day. This isn't a friendly thing to be doing for me, is it? You know, nope. I wouldn't be marching my friend around doing this. I wouldn't be marching my kid around doing this. So why am I doing it to myself? You know, and that's what you've got to, got to look out for. Mm, good point. Okay, last question. I ask every guest to set us some homework based on the theme of the episode. So in this case, Josh, what is a simple, actionable thing that we can do when it comes to managing our anxiety around the holidays that will help us on our quest to building a happier life? Yeah, my homework is how many things can you be okay with doing imperfectly today? Your homework is to how many things can you do imperfect today, but be okay with it? So really, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a headbender. I like it. I love it doing it here. But what, you want me mm. to purposely fail or do things not perfectly? Yeah, that's part one. And how many of those were you all right with? They're like, well, it's my homework. So kind of, it's a paradox. So yeah, great. Do that. How many things could you do imperfectly? You know? Um, okay. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, don't mean like lob the Christmas turkey out the window, you know? That's what <laughs> on, but, like, but, you know, like... Just do these things and stop placating. And also, if you're a people pleaser, because that's been a big theme of the episode, people pleasing around Christmas, just go and say something controversial. Say your opinion. <laughs> you know, you know, who's entertaining me around this table as opposed to, did I say the right thing? No, who's entertaining me? No one. Everyone's boring. I can't wait to go through there and watch Toy Story 3. There we go. That's what I want to do. So. <laughs> Good film reference. Uh, thanks, Josh. Amazing stuff, as always. Thank you, Gabby. So uh, for more on you, schoolofanxiety.com is the website. Yeah. Instagram is Anxiety Josh. Your podcast is The Panic Pod. Yeah. We'll wrap there. Nice one, Josh. Really appreciate it. Nice one. Catch you soon, Gabby. You know what I love about Josh? He's a really good crack. Like, even if we're talking about some pretty serious topics, he always manages to bring a bit of humour and light relief woven into, I think you'll agree, some really great advice. So thank you to Joshua Fletcher and thank you to you guys for making it through to the end of our final episode of 2022 of the Happier Life Project with me, 
Gabby Sanderson. And if you enjoyed and found this episode really helpful with Josh, we did actually have a conversation in season one of the podcast. He was episode three, Unraveling Anxiety. Now, this was before we rebranded into the Happy at Life project. So you have to search for the podcast, My Possible Self. And like I said, it's episode three, Unraveling Anxiety with Joshua Fletcher. Now, if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app that will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you found this episode helpful, we'd love it if you would subscribe to the pod and leave us a review. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care. Enjoy this Christmas period if you can. And I'll see you in 2023. We'll be back on January 3rd. Bye for now.